to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Aiden. How are you this fine day? I'm doing fine. The so day is almost over. The day is almost over. It's nighttime. But the podcast has just begun. We are podcast here to talk about season begun. two, episode 18 on the Wings of Love. On the Wings of Love, which is the a really soap opera title. Oh, it? yeah. This sounds like On the Wings of Love could be a Invi- soap opera. Yes, exactly. It is the invitation right. to love part de... <laughs> part de... Yeah, my French is great. Uh, <laughs> let's speak German instead. Yes, yes. Let's go to the German title for this one because... It's kind of funny. Uh, here we have it, Auf den Schwingen der Liebe, which maybe? Let's hear Let's hear the real one. Auf den Schwingen der Liebe. Not bad. Yeah, that's not, not bad. bad. Pretty yeah, close. It's pretty close. Uh, but you had a story about Schwingen. Well, you looked it up because yeah. we, we thought, because when I translated it, I'm like, on the swing of love? Yeah. I'm that's like, that swinging. sounds a little, yeah. you know, 1970s house party yeah yeah kind of yeah we don't want to talk about where that's going uh <laughs> but but then aiden looked oh, it i just on... i just googled swinging and it's <laughs> it is a swiss folk wrestling also uh, in addition to being a swing yes it's to swing in german yeah. apparently mm-hmm. uh and then in swiss german it's a something to do with pulling up breaches yeah it, it's a type of so, a folk wrestling which yeah which involves maybe, maybe that's what nadine pulling. is into yeah exactly maybe that's her hidden talent mm-hmm. is what's nadine's uh, maiden name do we ever know? Yeah, uh, they said Is it, it in an episode. Is It's not. Oh well then. They did say it in an episode. <laughs> okay. Butler, Nadine. Butler. Oh well, that's far less German than I was hoping for. Yeah. Far less Swiss as well. Anyways, so on the wings of love is the title. Yes. And uh, you have the details. I do. It was directed by Dwayne Dunham, written by Peyton and Engels, our favorite uh, non Lynch Frost writing mm-hmm. team, I guess. Yeah. Um, it aired on April fourth, nineteen ninety one. And takes place on March 22nd, 1989, which was a Wednesday. Okay. Brought in 9.2 million viewers, so. Yes, this was the second episode after the brief hiatus. Yes. Well, yes. not so brief, but yeah, yeah the hiatus, hiatus, yeah. So. Uh, we're coming into the home stretch here. This yeah. is like, we're, we've got four more episodes left after this. Yeah. Which means for, for us listening to this podcast now, we are like. Mere weeks. Within, yes, yes, of like, getting brand new episodes. Yes. How does that so, make you feeling? It makes me very excited, Lindsay. How does it make you feel? Uh, kind of bored. Yeah. Whatever. You're, no. You're not selling it well. <laughs> I haven't been sleeping. It's, I'm so excited. I remember, that we are still here as of recording date, two months away from new episodes, but... Yeah, I don't like to Lindsay's announce that, that we recorded so far in advance. Because Why? It kind of, I don't know. It just kind of makes it seem like we're... Planning in advance? Yeah. Mm, yes. Those terrible know. planning people. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't do it with anything else in my life. <laughs> okay, fair so enough. So it's kind of embarrassing. It's a little it's like out of character. My podcast that I don't get paid for yeah. takes precedence over like grocery shopping. Yeah, or any of the things we have to do today. We have to buy cat food. Yeah, we have no food for them. Anyways, anyway, uh, so do you want to get started with the log lady? Yeah, well, okay. that's where we usually start. So yes. we should start with the log lady. Yes, let's do that then. Uh, so she talks here about um, treasure. Treasure is the gist of it. Um, but you know how beautiful yes the treasure is beautiful treasure is beautiful and it's beautiful to find um and 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 it exists to be found exactly that is the definition of a treasure is yes kind of a hidden treasure that isn't found is not treasure it's it's just just something something that's hidden sitting out there yeah yeah but when it's found that's that's it fulfills its purpose yeah and and she's asking about where's the treasure that when you find it leaves you eternally happy um and she kind of then goes off into a bit of a 
uh, tangent saying that perhaps that treasure is supposed to be inside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and but why is it so hard to find yes, and to attain? Yes, and she even says like that's kind of weird. Wouldn't that be weird if it yeah. was just something inside of us that we could all just grab onto and say, "Hey, I found it. I'm going to be happy forever." Um, and it's, I mean, and that's kind of what she's going at here. I feel is she's talking about is she talking about happiness, inner peace, is it love? No, she's talking about Owl Cave, Aiden. Duh. Yeah, no, obviously. <laughs> Yes, but interior-wise, yes, it seems Philosophically. like yes. Where are the characters going to find an inner, right. inner love, peace thing? Yeah. I think uh, Annie and Cooper are the obvious candidates sure. for this journey. Sure, and we've got journey. Mike and Nadine. Yep, as as one of the Audrey and subplots. John Justice Wheeler. Yep, uh, also pursuing that path of, of uh, happiness. Ben Horn. Yeah. Heading for his own type. Very of, true. of inner peace yes. with uh, Eileen Hayward. Mm-hmm ostensibly yeah so we've got a lot of people kind of searching for yearning for this inner peace Mm -hmm. this treasure are they going to find it or is the only treasure to be found locked behind a petroglyph (laughs) in owl cave (laughs) yeah it seems in the woods outside twin peaks yeah there's there's no happiness waiting for any of these characters everybody's everybody suffers spoiler alert i'm just saying oh my god it's a it's a tv show nothing good happens uh (laughs) So I, just off the top, though, we mm-hmm. both we watched this episode just yesterday. Mm-hmm. We both laughed our asses off. We at did it. so much. We had to pause it in so many places so that we could catch our breath and then resume our note taking. And and it really does have not just. I mean, there's some really funny moments, but mm-hmm. it, there's some really just good moments. There's some really yeah, like enjoyable I, parts I feel like to this episode. I, this is a return to form. You know, we had we've got a lot of different people, a lot of fingers in the pie, so to speak, with. With lots of writers, we had Trisha Brock a couple episodes back. The last episode that Peyton and Engels wrote was um, the Diane Keaton directed mm-hmm. episode Slaves and Masters, which kind of wrapped up a lot of the worst plots yes. of yeah. the season early two. Season but, two yeah. um, so, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they that they wrote for it. But this this feels like a a return to form. Like I mm-hmm. said, it's it's a much more um, it's it's an enjoyable episode. It was it was one of the ones the first time in a while that we have felt really yeah. satisfied at the end of an episode yeah it has some cohesion and, and yeah, some a little bit you know there's there's some arcs to it um even but just it also, Truman it also feels like it's going somewhere too, yeah exactly it right? finally like we're feels we're driving yeah. towards a conclusion that um that feels like we've we've been coming there for a little while right and things are starting to come together so mm-hmm. so that's another positive yeah. but it also features some like like Aiden said some really laugh out loud funny funny scenes. moments yeah so. so it's good first scene is not funny no but well, it's, it's it, but it is it's kind of entertaining. It's uh, uh, so Truman remember it at the end of the last episode, uh, passed out cold in the bookhouse, um, and Jones, Thomas Eckhart's uh, personal assistant, assistant yeah, executive slash assistant, bodyguard maybe, whatever, whatever, um, showed up at the bookhouse. Yes, and slept in a negligee. Yes, and slinked into bed with him. And and in this episode, that's where she uh, starts off crawling all over Truman. Yeah, and it's it's well. First of all, they they start off though. There's a weird, odd sound. I don't know what it is. Um, that's playing as the camera kind of pans mm-hmm. across the bookhouse um, to eventually arrive on Truman in like. Well, sorry. There, there were those tinkling bells that we heard, the Josie bells mm. that we talked about in a, f- a few episodes ago. Yes. No, I thought it was kind of like a screeching sound or a sigh or a scream or something. Mm. I can't remember exactly, and I, I don't think it's ever 
something pointed at. Right. Um, but it was just kind of unsettling. It's ominous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those sound effects. Not um, that we needed it, but no, but it's an audible cue that something is. Yeah. Wonky. Exactly. And then we arrive on Truman, and his hair, I have to say, <laughs> was just delightful. It was it's total seventies. Chia pet. Yeah. It yeah. was it was delightful. Well, he is passed out drunk. You know, it's less than forty eight hours since Josie died, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe not even forty eight hours. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's not that long. uh, Yeah, so he's in full on. He's not on the wings of love. He's in the throes of grief. Yes, and and Jones takes full advantage of this. Yes, Um, she kind of straddles him. Yeah, and there's there's it's it's a seduction attempt, sort of. Very odd. Yeah. But when Truman wakes up, well, part of the seduction attempt is weird because she has like a little elixir or oh, some it's sort like of a perfume bottle it oh like. is that okay well that's what it looked like to me but she she takes she rubs it onto her fingers and then rubs it into his lips yeah. and stuff it's when odd. i first saw it i thought maybe it was like uh, smelling salts or something to oh me. but i don't think that's i thought it was poison i assumed like oh, she was putting it on his lips and as soon as he licked them who knows well but he doesn't die he doesn't so. die he wakes up <laughs> and he sees he sees jones kind of morph into josie yes and uh they kind of have a little back and forth um, in Truman's dreams, I'm assuming. But uh, it's cruelly broken when when Jones pulls out a garage. piano wire. A garage. Yeah. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Uh, yeah, she, yeah, total CIA style. Oh, yeah. Just like From George, a ring or George Bush or something. Some, yeah. George Bush? Here's a little trick I learned in the CIA. We just watched that episode of <laughs> Simpsons, Lindsay. How can you not get that reference? Because I don't really watch and pay attention to uh, the Simpsons. Well, that is your fault. Anyways, yeah, she pulls out the wire and she goes for it. And yes. it is actually like, this, first of all, she's really well cast, I have to say, because she's she's tall. Mm-hmm. She's got like an athletic build. She's yeah. She looks strong. Like she yeah, looks like she could that. actually do that. Exactly. That's exactly what you said. Like she looks like someone who could kill a guy. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and it does like, it's, it's, it looks like he's really struggling yeah. to, and he delivers a, a couple of good gut punches that we contrasted with yeah. Cooper's punch of, uh, to what, when Cooper punches Nancy at one eye jacks, which yeah. is just kind of yeah. very stage yeah. acting fake, you know, yeah. here it feels like he's elbowing her yeah. and he punches her in the face and then she falls back on the sofa and. And then he has this moment where he's kind of like, he's shocked. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out if it's because it's a woman her or if or it's if because it's a woman. woman. Yeah. Or her specifically. Yeah. It's really not clear. But he has, yeah, he has, his face is kind of just registering this shock. Maybe just the shock of being attacked in yeah, the middle of your sleep drunk. while you're drunk. But, um, yeah. And then he, uh, that's yeah. And that. th- that's just it. That's the scene. It's, it is, it's kind of intense. I mean, it's, it's odd that there was like zero not zero build up to well, it because there was a bit of build up in the last episode and yeah, then this but, but Jones's character is not well established really as, as anything other than Eckhart's hench woman yeah I guess yeah so yeah it, yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't feel and it really like anything anywhere, no from it, what I remember. Just, it ends here but maybe really. we'll find out in future episodes yeah what else we can happens. we can retouch on it if some if it comes up again um the next episode or sorry the next scene is uh at the Great Northern we go to we, we well we focus in on on uh, some kind of a science experiment. I don't know what that is. I have no idea. It was looks like bubbling. It's like a glass enclosure. Yeah. But you know what it reminded me of that that uh, cooking device your mom has that she made Christmas breakfast in one time with oh, like the, yeah. with the eggs and like at a buffet station. That's yeah, what it looked yeah, like. yeah. I thought yeah. he was cooking his own breakfast. But then I also wondered. It's John Justice Wheeler, by yes. the way, in the sweater. 
the, the sweater. The, the sweater. The official. If you follow the Wool House Boys on Twitter, which you should, which you should. Uh, uh, yeah, you get to see all the sweater you need. Let's just on put it every that way. character yeah. and inanimate object. Yeah, but it is the sweater tucked into the pants. Oh, man. Of John Justice Wheeler. It um, is a look. And it, th- this scene totally reminded me of that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Data goes back in time. Oh, yes. And he's in the... he's in The, the Wild West? Yes, yeah. And he's trying to make... Yeah, he's making a science experiment in his in his. Well, it's more uh, than a science room. experiment, well, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, With well, for data. Jack London. Yeah, showing up. And, and Mark Twain. Yeah. Ah, that's yeah. great. That's a great episode. That is a good episode. Want to talk yeah, about that episode? No. I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about Later. John Justice Wheeler. Yeah. Um, Audrey shows up. Of course. And, oh. Oh, man, this is awkward. This is an awkward little It's exchange. weird, right? It's it's downright creepy. Because really. Audrey shows up and she's doing her 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 job. This is what she does. She is hospitality, uh, the can-do girl for the Great Northern Hotel. And, and she's just showing up to be kind and nice and whatever. And then Wheeler pulls out this weird hammer nails metaphor. Yeah. Do you remember your grandfather? Mm-hmm. Colorful man, one of the wisest I ever met. You know what he once said? He said, if you're going to bring a hammer... Better bring nails. What's that supposed to mean? What that means is, the next time you come into my room and carry on like this, you better be ready to finish whatever it is you came here to start. Maybe I'm ready now. And it's just like, what? What was that a need of? Seriously, like, yeah. where did that come from? Well, why, I, why would I mean, they think... okay, they've been flirting nonstop, basically sure, for but... the last two episodes. I get it, but I mean, this is like, this is like she's generic. doing her job, and he's exactly. like, you're hitting on me. Yeah. And it's like, no, that that's, yeah. this is. This would not be acceptable in today's. It's, it's not acceptable back then. Well, Audrey puts him in her, in his place. Kind of. Because at the well, end of this conversation, yeah. they chat and he's talking about he'll take her on a flight and, and well, see a, a sunset. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but he, Whatever. they're going to do something later today. A date. Yeah. A date. And then Audrey at the end says the same thing. Well, yeah. if you get, if you have your hammer, you better be ready to nail it. I don't no. know what the metaphor was. <laughs> Bring the nails. If you bring the hammer, oh, okay. you're to bring the nails okay. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then, of course, that just, ooh, John just, of course. there's a little, you know, a little Twitter pated by that. And he puts on his Clark Kent ga- yeah. glasses and yeah. uh, returns to his, his science experiment, I think. Slash sweater tucking. Yes. Uh, it's just an uncomfortable it's, Yeah, it's, it's just an odd scene. Again, I don't think anybody, I don't think Peyton and Engels would write that today i think that's just, not, it was it was an odd form of flirting yeah that it's, was more it's socially kind of, acceptable in the early 90s well, but even then i don't know yeah, i don't i don't know what the what the what that would have yeah how that read well it just it just time. comes across obviously as like kind of like like well, don't be a tease it, it's yeah. it's saying like yeah you mm-hmm. you can't you can't flirt with somebody without expecting she wasn't sex flirting. she was just showing no no no, no but yeah previous no, I know, to this exactly, right exactly. No, to this exactly. point she'd been flirting sure. and he's like well now we have to have sex and that's fucking weird so <laughs> uh yeah so that's yeah. jjw for you um, um so yeah let's go on so yes at the sheriff's department we get the first instance of uh, which carries through the entire episode, basically, mm-hmm. of Cooper um, really pushing Truman's buttons with this hangover. Well, everybody's business. pushing Everybody his buttons. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, he slams the door, and Truman's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's in serious hangover territory. Oh, yes. and, and, uh, and they start discussing Jones, who wants to speak to the South African, African consulate. consulate. <laughs> and Cooper has a nice, he's like, in Twin Peaks? Yeah. Which, <laughs> which is hilarious, funny. yeah. Um, but anyway, they're uh, they're trying to figure out her angle, her 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing they can come up with is that it was revenge for well, sexual Eckhart. jealousy. Sexual jealousy is how Cooper puts it. But and, I mean, Eckhart's, and then they're just they're just like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes it, and that's the end. <laughs> of the, I think that's the end of the story. So, yeah. and it's it's it is odd because why would she do this after her boss has died? You is it really what? more her jealousy? It's not clear. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because we're it's pretty over. sure this is the last of it. Thank God. <laughs> um, we go up to Truman's office, and there's a bonsai tree on the on the, the desk. And Truman discovers it's from Josie. And she must have sent it to him before her untimely demise. Yeah. Uh, Doc Hayward is there. <laughs> and uh, it's only now, a day later, that he's telling Truman about... Uh, Donna's visit from Wyndham Earl the day before in which or during which Donna was given the next move in the chess match that Mm -hmm. Wyndham Earl and Cooper are engaged in so I wondered about that because Doc Hayward rushes off pretty quickly at the end of that scene in the last episode did he tell Cooper well it doesn't appear to be Cooper didn't wasn't yeah but he doesn't seem all that shocked or surprised but Mm -hmm. why would he wait a day to to tell that it just it didn't match up for us Here we are being pedantic again. Yes. Um, and then Gordon enters, and we have the bonsai scene, which is uh, which is fun. Well, we are, yeah. Uh, well, in between though, first we find out that Earl is actually Wyndham Earl is oh, yes. listening in th- through the bonsai. Yes, exactly. So he's got Thank a you. bug or something inside the bonsai, and yeah. So the bonsai tree didn't come from Josie. No, it came from Wyndham Earl. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, Wyndham Earl is listening in, and he hears Gordon give a bunch of classified information about Wyndham Earl's previous, um, yeah, exploits and stuff. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and it's it comes out that uh, Wyndham Earl was involved with Project Blue Book, which is the same as Major Briggs was involved mm-hmm. with. He also was using haloperidol while he was in uh, the mental institution where he was recovering. Be- recovering. After Caroline's yes, death. and uh, but Cole's under the under the assumption that uh, he was actually using the drugs to feign his ign- his illness as opposed to actually treat it. Right. Um, and yeah, it's it's just another little... So there's, there's some more connections being drawn, and, and mm-hmm. Truman and Cooper point that out, they say. Project Blue Book. My God, Gordon, what was he doing on this? The Bureau loaned Earl out to the Air Force in 1965. Reports on his two-year hitch are blacked out. National security. Wait a minute. Earl was investigating UFOs? Major Briggs, Harry. Gordon, there's some curious linkages here. The word linkage reminds me of sausage. Never cared much for the links, preferred the uh, patties. So yeah, it's uh, it's a fun scene. Any scene that Gordon Cole is in is going to be fun. Well, especially because this is also the famous bonsai right? scream. Yep. He, he leans into it and just lets a rip right into the thing. And that's what causes Earl to finally throw out the... Yeah. The headphone. But there's also the the boy oing. Yes. Yeah. This is the first point. Yeah, where we just started. Where laughing. I'd forgotten completely about this line. We had to stop it because we were laughing so hard. Yeah. Uh, it's so that's that's kind of yeah, cute. It is. Um, it's also the scene where uh, Cooper is finally reinstated in the FBI. So yes, and he gets a bigger gun. Yes. That's really the important part. Yeah, a Smith and Wesson. Smith and Wesson, ten millimeter. I which is an off-brand. You, you took down the, the spec? I just remember it, it jumped out at me because mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's odd. Um, but maybe I just heard it wrong. Um, yeah, and then, you know, they have the thumbs up yeah. in unison again. And yeah. they're, they're back to being But they're going to the go for page. breakfast as well. So yes, this is, that's right. this is their segue out of the scene. We go to Wyndham Earl's cabin for a little bit of an extended sequence with 
Leo and Wyndham Earl discussing um, the queens, the queens, and the card game plan, which we kind of saw hints of earlier, but now we've got the Queen of Diamonds, the Queen of Clubs, and the Queen of Spades um, being assigned to Audrey, Donna, and Shelley. Uh, is it the King of Hearts? Dale Cooper. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Which, he was king of something. Yeah, and uh, and the Queen of Hearts has yet to be assigned, um, but Winterold has decided that the winner of the Miss Twin Peaks pageant will fulfill that role, and once the Queen has been selected, Cooper will get to watch her die. Yes, and I I have to say this scene is, again, this is the Earl that I don't like very much. This is the Earl that's giggling, like he giggles at the evilness of his own plan at the very end of the scene. It's, See, I was kind of a return to the the supreme evil Windermere. Like really? the way that he's like. Yeah, but he's wearing like a grandpa sweater and like. Sure, but and I don't know. He's playing card tricks with Le- behind Leo's ear. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't know. There's just they they went for uh, menacing via odd and funny, mm. and it just did not connect. It does not connect for, connect for me. He's still the most ominous. Is the very first scene yeah, where he no, appears. You're right, but I but I do think that. I, it's maybe it's Leo's reaction, the way that he's reacting to all of this, and I know mm. most most of it is because of, uh, I think at this point his concern for Shelley, which is surprising, but maybe he's seeing a little bit more of how unhinged. No, Earl yeah, is. And, and the unhinged part is there for sure. Absolutely, I just I don't get the the sense of well, uh, fearsome power or or yeah, and like you know, we like. The way that he was introduced before he was introduced, when when Cooper kind of talks about his mind being like a diamond, yeah, we've touched on this many times. Yeah, but, yeah. but it, it just it doesn't fit. No, not not in this but in this situation. But this is where the character's gone, and yeah. I mean, I, again, I think in the last episode, actually, he he kind of comes back into form in a little bit. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we we won't go there, but yeah, yeah it's uh, it's again. I di- I didn't find it scary at all. I'll just leave it at that. That's fine. Um, so we go back to the Great Northern. Yes, and we see Donna following her mother at a discreet distance. Mm-hmm. Once again, Nancy drawing her way through town. Um, Eileen is going to see Ben, and Donna's suspicious. She sees, in the meantime, sees uh, her ex-boyfriend Mike and Nadine, who have come down from their suite after what appears to be a night of passion. Yes. Um, they're both very happy. Yeah. <laughs> Nadine well, sucking on yeah. a lollipop. And uh, the... Front desk clerk asks, yeah. how was it? And Mike's is unbelievable. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously pretty good. Um, and, and they see each other and kind of have, you know, exchange pleasantries. Yeah. But uh, Donna's not there for that. She wants to speak to Audrey. And when Audrey comes out, um, she asks the question, why would my mother be here to see your dad? Audrey has no idea, but she decides to take Donna into her secret passageway behind her father's office. And they spy through the wall... Well, they spy part of yes. the stuff through the wall. So, and and this is something that bothered me. So, for, you start off. Uh, the camera's in Ben's office, and he and Eileen are talking, and they're she's basically trying to hand back some love letters, right. ostensibly that Ben wrote to her. Um, and and you presumably. get presumably, and you're getting a bit of that backstory implied, like yeah. you're getting that they were a, an item, and uh, they were together for a period. Um, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, which is... The last time they held each other was that night. That so what night, is that night? Yes, yes. Um, and she kind of pushes him away, and he kind of apologizes. It's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it's only after all that heavily implicative stuff yeah. uh, appears 
the the kids walk in and, and start looking through the people yeah. uh and then they uh they basically just see her saying oh no don't talk to, don't come see me don't talk to her yeah. implying donna i think is pretty clear um and just leave us alone and then she leaves yeah and donna and audrey are kind of like oh i wonder what, what that was that about? about yeah, yeah. And donna donna has that terrible it even does like the zoom in on her face like well i'm gonna find out like yeah that i don't know there's another oh. it's back to the future it's back to the future yeah. that's the one thank you it, it, that's exactly that is, what it reminded that is me of that is the shot yes they literally the ripped it right off marty's mom yeah lorraine mcbain yeah. trying to figure out what's up with this calvin klein, klein dude who yeah. just skateboarded into town so so my problem with the scene is <laughs> i love that shot but uh, yeah. my problem with the scene is like why not have the um or why have the camera show what the kids don't see? Well, and especially because the camera, the camera, when we first see them, it is from the wall. From the people. It looks like it's coming through the yes. people. But Audrey and Donna aren't there yet. No. So, yeah, it is an odd choice. Unless they're just kind of foreshadowing that this is where it's going to be. But it's... it's but, it, but then it takes away all mystery from Donna actually discovering it. Yes, exactly. You know, so... Why well, would we another, want? Why would we care about what Donna discovers if we already know it? You know. Well, it just yeah, but it's it's sense. kind of it kind of reminds me of when the when we figure when we found out who killed Laura, but it took everybody else a day to figure it out themselves. Yeah. It's a little bit more that dramatic irony that. Yeah. But well, not, I'm on the not record really, as not really appreciating that either. Well, I, yeah. I I liked it, but I felt they de- they didn't deal with it very well. Here, and here it's just it's such a low stakes yeah. thing, right? So um I guess that's true. Yeah, it's just it's just not the most interesting side plot to have that kind of dramatic irony play out in. No, and but it's just yeah, and it's odd because yeah, like it just goes nowhere, right? Like more. Well, it, I mean it, it kind of does, but it gives Donna purpose for the next four yes, episodes. Yes, it gives Donna something to do for the next. I guess that's fine as as a plot device that's okay but but see this yeah. is the problem that i'm having with a lot of these season two and and it took me a while to figure this out but doing this podcast it's kind of solidified that for me that um and maybe i've said this already once okay. before but a lot of these plot lines have been just manufactured but the characters are just put into them right it's like oh we need to have you know an illegitimate love affair mm-hmm. let's make it ben and eileen and let's so, make donna find out about it it's yeah. it's not organic it doesn't come from the characters it's just a plot well, that's dis- that's constructed yeah around yeah the i feel like it, it works for ben he is trying to he has the later scene with john sure. Wheeler where he's he's trying to learn how to tell the truth and yes that, and i do agree with that 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 this is this is in keeping with ben's shift yeah so i feel like in that, in that, in this case, it, it works better than it works better than say Little Nicky or sure. or some of the other plot lines that Annie. didn't work. Annie, as well, Annie maybe fulfills a purpose, which we'll get yeah, to, we'll get to that yeah. later. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree though. It's yeah. it's still it lacks certain something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, that's what this that's what this is. Mm-hmm. That's what most of Donna's storyline really yeah. is. Yeah, for most of the show. Yeah, let's be honest. Um. Okay, so now we go to the double R, and. Uh, and this is this is just such a great joyful. Yeah. I just love this well, this whole. It's, yes, it starts off great. Uh, Cole is again giving another uh, recipe for yes, a hangover, hangover cure, cure that just induces vomiting and poor Sheriff Truman. It seems like this is their this is their plan. All they just want to torment Truman, yeah. and I don't under, okay. I, pedantic Lindsay coming into play again here. 
why? Why are they doing this? This guy just well, lost his love. Well, if you're sick, love? no, I think literally they just want him to physically throw sure, up everything they can. but then they're they like can. so gleeful about it. They're like thumbs up and grinning because they made the the poor heart sick, hungover Truman loses lunch cookies in the yeah. in the double R bathroom. It just seems cruel. A little bit. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, Gordon and Shelley have their great oh, meet man. cute, which is. Damn cute. Just adorable. So, yeah, so... <laughs> so it starts off, yeah, Cole and Cooper go to the booth and, and then, oh, Cole just spots Shelly. And he's of like, course. wow. And he goes on and on about how he... That's the kind of girl make, makes you wish she spoke a little French is probably the most famous of the lines. Yeah. Um, but he just goes on and on. Of course, he's screaming. So Shelly can hear everything. Yeah, and, um, and Cooper's kind of like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Gee, okay, a little just, embarrassed, yeah. but But he's used to do? dealing with Cole, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he, Cole's like, I'm going to go over there. Yeah. And he does. Try my hand at a little counter Esperanto. And then he walks over and he starts shrieking at Shelly. And she's like, can you please calm down? And he's like, I, I heard. can hear you. Yeah. It's, I heard it's that. just, it's such a perfect, beautiful little scene. Hello. I was wondering if I might trouble you for a cup of strong black coffee. And in the process, engage you with an anecdote of no small amusement. The name is Gordon Cole, and I couldn't help but notice you from the booth. And, well, seeing your beauty now, I feel as though my stomach is filled with a team of bumblebees. You don't have to shout, I can hear you. I heard that. I, I heard that. Um, do you want anything besides coffee? I heard you perfectly. And I can hear you honestly. You don't understand. You don't understand, Miss Johnson. Do you see these? Huh? For 20 years, I've been asking people to please speak up, but for some weird reason, I can hear you clear as a bell. Say something else. Um, uh, do you want pie with your coffee? Good Lord, I can hear you perfectly. This is like some kind of miracle, a, a phenomenon. What's wrong with miracles? What's that? This cherry pie is a miracle. Would you please ask the lady with the log to speak up? Um, the pie. She was talking about the cherry pie. I heard you again. I heard you again. <laughs> Would you like some pie? Massive, massive quantities and a glass of water, sweetheart. My socks are on fire. It is really just such a perfect, yes. adorable little scene. And and the way that I mean David Lynch isn't an actor, but he plays, yeah, but he this, plays with this so really great. much like there's just this moment like this recognition that yeah. this is a miracle. Yeah. But this pie is a miracle, yeah, the says. Yeah. And she and then he can't hear her, but yeah. he can hear Shelley. It's just the the funny, it's just Every moment is funnier than the last one. But it's also heartfelt in it a is, odd absolutely. way because he's just, he is taken aback. That's mm-hmm. what gives it yeah. the comedy too, yeah. is that he is just so oblivious, but you can understand it because. Not oblivious. This, That's not well, oblivious. he is. He's socially oblivious. He's, wow. he's saying like, oh my God, I, he's yelling at her yeah. um, about how he can hear her um, because it is meaningful for him. Like yeah. he's gone through his whole life for however long, however long. Uh, you know, unable to hear anybody. And then yeah. he finds this magical woman who can speak to him. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a touching moment too. Uh, and she's just enough. kind of like. Oh, she's so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's it it's yeah. So it's really sweet. It's really yeah, adorable. It's um, but unfortunately, I, uh, it's I not will unfortunate. Say unfortunate. It's I I still okay. So it, it's also funny. I yes. will say so. It's Cooper and Annie. Yeah. Uh, talking. Truman comes out of the washroom and Cooper, Cooper, Cooper spots spot a chickadee on a Dodge Dart, and yeah. Annie confirms that this is an, in fact a chickadee on a Dodge Dart. Yes. And uh, and then they have this little exchange, which is delivered. Very, very woodenly by Heather Graham, I have to say. I, I feel like that's part of it, though. I feel Maybe, like but her 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 delivery is part of what makes Annie, and part and that's what attracts Cooper in an odd way is the fact that she's so socially terrible, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and that's that's really what kind of attracts him in the end. I think it's possible, but it's. <laughs> I also just see it as as just being you know inexperienced wooden acting. I'm it, sorry, but well, I, and and the whole point is like Annie, like she asks how she just, yeah. how is she doing, and she gives an actual answer, and yeah. then she's I'm like, weird. oh yeah, <laughs> I'm weird, like and like then she says, oh yeah, wait, I forgot, you're not supposed to give an actual yeah. answer, and Cooper just falls head endearing. over heel. Yeah, for the, yeah, it's it's cute in that yeah. way. Um, and then it gets really weird because Cooper tries telling her a joke. Yes. And then Truman points out how weird that is yes. that Cooper's telling jokes. And so you have this these two oddballs, mm-hmm. really. Um, the difference is Annie's doesn't feel... Like, Cooper, we know, is an oddball. Always yeah. has been, and yes. he's embraced it. It's yeah. part of him. Whereas Annie, whether it's because of the acting or the writing or what... Or the, the convent. The con- yeah, exactly. You're not they, sure. Plot-wise, that's where they lean on, is that mm-hmm. she's strange because she spent all this time... We don't know how long, but she spent an unspecified period of time in a convent. Um, and that's why she says she's lacking the social niceties, as yes. she says. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this is, you know, leaning on the oddness of Cooper and making that the thing that attracts him to Annie and attracts attracts Annie to Cooper misses the point because Cooper is more than just an oddball, odd right? Yeah. And so it feels like it, it really becomes reductive in a sense to, for his character to only be defined as odd. Yeah. And to have that be the one thing that... Yeah. No, but, it's true. I, I agree. I think it's yeah. it's it's a very kind of... And especially compared to the other two women, yeah, one on camera, one not on camera, that we kind of know he was attracted to, Audrey mm-hmm. and Caroline. Right. Caroline was an older woman, mm-hmm. uh, probably not goofy and odd. Right. You know, she was... I mean, we don't get any sense of her character, really, right. except for that he thought she was beautiful and loved her. Yeah. She was the one true love of his life, apparently. Right. Uh, and but then Audrey is Audrey, who is who is really a fully fleshed out character. Well, not only that, but she's nothing like that. I mean, she no. has some odd, not oddball moments, but she's a little socially awkward but, as well. But, but her oddness is is built into the character in a way that feels natural. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's something that is, uh, it fits right. Whereas, yeah. whereas, yeah, Annie's just kind of like, oh, I was in a convent. Isn't that weird? Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's it. It doesn't ring true the same way. No. So so that's why I think a lot of people who are um, fans of Cooper and Audrey, or uh, at least not fans of Annie and Cooper, um, that's where they... I think I think that's where we all kind of land when we really yeah. stop to think about it. It's just that we start to get all these, these little bits of information about Annie that... And, and it comes up a lot in this episode that her character development... And partly out of necessity, she's only, I mean, we're four episodes, five episodes from the end of the season. Um, 
we don't have a lot of time to explore her character backstory, right? So a lot of it is just told. She just tells him, yes, I'm weird. Yes, I'm lacking the social niceties. It's, it's, It's a classic case of telling instead of showing which is the opposite of what writers good writers are supposed to do you always try and show and they can't do that or they they are unable to do that with annie yeah so it's just it's a combination of factors really that that make me dislike her um one thing i do like about this scene though is that it's a complete flip from the scene in the diner uh when cooper deduces that uh, ed and norma Norma are in love with each other Because Truman even asked, so how long have you been in it's love a, with her? Yeah. yeah, no, word for word, exactly what, what Cooper asked yeah. Ed back in season one. And I think this is some very heavy foreshadowing to uh, what will eventually lead to the finale of this season. Because Cooper's been kind of not, he hasn't been doing his best detective work, let's say. Yeah. Um. This was something that he came to town, and in 30 seconds, he was able to deduce that Ed and Norma, who'd been having a secret affair for however long, he was able to figure that out in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Here, he doesn't even remember that he told her that he tried to tell a joke. Yeah. He doesn't, like, he's just so, and, and okay, maybe that's like, the writers are like, oh, he's just so head over heels in love with Annie already after 12 hours. But I think it's part of a larger pattern with Cooper that's been happening for most of season two, that that the closer he gets, and we saw it in, in the last episode when Wyndham Roll is sitting right there in the diner, he and he him. doesn't see him. So he's he's almost it's almost like he's got blinders on, and he's missing things. He's yeah, he's he's not his usual deductive best. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it, this is borne out in his investigation. You missed it. I put yeah, air quote quotes I. in. Uh, his, I didn't miss it. Yeah, I saw you it. saw it. Uh, his investigation of Wyndham Earl. He's actually yeah. not investigating mm-hmm. Wyndham Earl at all. He's re- completely reactive. Yep. They're not really doing much of anything. I mean, the only thing they're kind of investigating and in what it comes out this time is is the symbols that the log lady yes. and, and Major Briggs pointed out. Right, um, which, is, Co- which is where Cooper, it goes. Cooper is yeah. drawing them on a napkin in the booth. And, uh, and, and Annie points out. Annie points it out in a in a very strange scene where she just says, "Oh, looks like you've been out at Owl Cave," and she walks away. And it's like, this is something that struck us both as being very suspicious. That that's not the way. Okay, she's awkward, she's quirky. Yeah, she just walks she's away. She's gonna sure. drop something like that and then bugger off back behind the counter. But but it does fit in with some of the theories about Annie that we. Uh, in the interest of keeping this a spoiler-free episode, we won't get into yet, but they're coming. Yeah, there's they there's coming. more there's more signals the more you watch it for that, yeah, that kind of approach. That so. maybe maybe not all is Kosher. on the level. Yes, with with Annie. Yeah. So, but but yeah, so that's the end of the scene. They say, yeah. oh, this is out at Owl Cave, and yeah. that's where their investigation is going to go. But I think going back to your point, yeah, there's there's no investigating going on. No, like. Why is Cooper not searching down leads for where Wyndham yeah, Earl exactly. is? Yeah, exactly. Why is he not, uh, you know, staking out the mail, the, the post office yeah, or something? The, yeah, or, exactly. Or calling the newspapers that that Wyndham Earl had put the original yeah ads in and or stuff. Whatever. Yeah. Like the, there are there are ways he has the or full talking ways. to Donna who yes, saw no Wyndham exactly. Earl. Like come it's, on, it's it's just. <laughs> He has the full weight of the FBI, and we know that they can mobilize the CIA and the NSA and whatever. (laughs) DEA. The DEA. They could get everybody they wanted, the military. Everybody could get involved to track this guy down. 
And it's just Cooper and Truman and, and a napkin and, they're not and even a chickadee doing it. on a Dodge Dart. And they're not, yeah, they're eating pie and flirting with Shelly. It's weird. It's just, it's yeah. so not. The Cooper that we yes. grew up with in season one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Which is th- sad. Yeah, a little bit. And mm-hmm. and this scene is great, though, for the fact that uh, it's the two FBI agents falling in love. and Yes, the in, Cloud uh, Cuckoo Landers. Landers yeah. Just. Losing their minds yeah. for a couple of waitresses at the double R. Yeah, so. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Uh, sure. So they say. I think I read that in a 1950s cookbook. Yeah. Maybe on Pinterest. Did, did it involve know. hammering and nails as well? Possibly. Oh, possibly. Good. good, good. I gave it back to my grandmother, so I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. All right. <laughs> anyway. We, uh, we head to the Hayward's house, and James has sent Donna a postcard. He is in sunny San Francisco. And Just You and I is playing. Yes. In the background mm-hmm. as he narrates his uh, postcard so yeah. that uh, James Marsh can get his Mexico? credit. <laughs> yeah, he, well, yeah, he says, like, okay, so I had a comment on that. Uh, so, yeah, he says that San Francisco is great. And then he's heading to the most American of escape points, which is Mexico. Uh, and this is just me as a as a reader of American literature, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very common refrain to say like, oh, well, when find I... find myself in Tijuana. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm tired of America and all its stupidity. I'm going to go to where people are pure and natural and, and uncivilized, <laughs> really, is a lot of them kind of take that yeah. tact. Um, things back like, to nature. Yeah, it's, yeah, in kind Mexico. of. Exactly, in Mexico, where, mm-hmm. the, where the people don't have these kind of problems because they're just, you know poor mexicans <laughs> it's a really bad stereotype it is yeah um but it's repeated again and again through all american, american lit, right. lit and uh here james is falling into falling that. into well it. and he's his mother's a writer and and it sounds like he's got a little bit of that writer spirit in him yeah maybe yeah um he's definitely like an adventure spirit yeah, yeah. you know less hunter s thompson and more yeah jack kerouac Maybe. I mean, on the road ends with him going to Mexico, yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah, I mean... But, yeah. but yeah, it's so it's... I mean, it fits with his character. It fits with um, the 1950s kind of yeah, flair feel, that, yeah. that James has yeah. always had. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really just... It's still kind of... It's still to, cliche. And, yeah. 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 Anyways. But, yeah, so Doc Hayward comes over and kind of consoles Donna. He'll be back. Don't worry. Well, I like how he just knew it was James of just course. by the way she was looking well, at Well, he could it, hear like, the music, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, then yeah, and then Donna though, yeah, doesn't doesn't let her dad go. Uh, no. She she grills him yes. about uh, her mother and Ben yeah. and their potential relationship, um, and Doc Hayward just kind of shoots down every. Yeah, he handles it a lot better than Ed handled being put on the spot. If, you know, back in yeah. the one I jacks. That's right. Bit. Yeah, <laughs> he's a little bit better on his yeah, feet. Yeah. <laughs> But he has an answer for everything that, that Donna asks, right? And any normal kid would probably accept an answer that was delivered in that way from their father, who they love. Yeah. But Donna, Donna. slash Nancy Drew mm-hmm. does not accept it at face value. Yeah. And, uh, and just to punctuate that, at the end of this whole conversation, um, flowers are delivered to the front door yeah. for Mrs. Hayward without a note. And, and Donna very suspiciously, you know, I'll put them in water, she says, mm-hmm. to her father. And leaves Doc Hayward on the stairs with this, it's an undecipherable look, but, or indecipherable, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's an indecipherable look. Um, uh, they, no, it's decipherable. It he is, is, he's going to lose his shit. Yes, but we don't know to. why. We can we suspect oh, no, why. We, that's the thing. We do know why. Okay. It's very, very clear. So, it's well, What is Doc Hayward going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, well, that's the real question. 
Um, so we go to Audrey at the library. Yes. Which she had foreshadowed in her earlier conversation with uh, John Justice Wheeler. She said, yep. I've got an appointment with my dad after I go to the library or yep. something like that. Um, and who bumps into her? Wyndham Merle. Wyndham Merle in Dressed disguise. Dressed up as a, a, a poetry professor. Yeah. So Audrey says she's she's there researching civil disobedience. Yeah. And uh, and that, of course, tickles Wyndham Merle. Yeah. Uh, who then it says that he's he's a poetry professor and Audrey uh, just classic overshare. Oh, somebody delivered me a poet a poem here. Why don't we read it together? And and the creepy old professor dude is like, why don't you read yeah, it to me? me? And she does. Yeah. And it was funny because uh, the poem is is a, is it is a poem by Percy Bysshe Shelley, um, but when. Wyndham Earl says at the end, he, he quotes the last two lines after after Audrey is finished and says, just Shelley. Yeah. And Audrey is kind of taken aback a little well, bit by that. Because, of because course, Shelley... Because Shelley is involved with received it. Received part of the poem. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but it doesn't really... It doesn't lead anywhere, but it does hint that Audrey is maybe creeped out. Mm-hmm. More so than Shelley was by the biker dude or Donna was by the doctor. This is this is tripping alarm bells for Audrey, um, who remember not too long ago was held captive and shot up with heroin at a Canadian brothel. So she maybe her spidey senses are a little bit heightened yeah. because she's been through some shit, you know. Um, but anyway, she uh, she leaves him in the library, and uh, that's the that's the end of that scene, really. Yeah, and it it again. This is more Wyndham Earl that I don't like, you know, getting all yeah. do- dollied up just to go well, talk see, to the women that he already is identified as potential victims. Again, it, it is creepy. Like, I will grant that for sure. I think I think that's that's the thing. Like, it's just that it, they're not fantastic disguises, right? No. So it does seem like like this is a, this this is an opportunity where where Cooper and the FBI could have been like sent this out to every single person once they found out that Donna had come into contact with someone yeah. they could have given a photo of Wyndham Earl yeah. and says if you see anybody who looks like this man yes. like call they the could police. have done that the instant he arrived to you know avoid him killing people absolutely like know. this is these are just plot holes that we're yeah. picking up here but but yeah um it's it, but it is creepy that even with such a flimsy disguise, he is able to pull these characters out and totally fool these girls. Um, and it is it is legitimately alarming that a young woman would be at the library looking up civil disobedience and would be accosted by uh, someone she doesn't know is is a well. I mean, but they all they all but... kind of respond positively to him initially. Yeah, no, they do, and, and that's kind of the interesting part. Um, except for here, Audrey's no stranger danger whatsoever. Well, no, Audrey kind of does though. A she her, she has a little bit of spidey sense after the Shelley yes. comments. She's like, oh wait, there, there's something odd about this. Well, how do you know it's Shelley, mm-hmm. or how do you know Shelley was involved? Um, and and she leaves, and she's the first one to do that. Usually, the other two just kind of let him. Kind well, of yeah, I mean, Shelly Shelly had back very to work, little, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, and I, f- I think it's interesting because he kind of almost like we know it's a threat when he kind of calls her a queen. Yes. And I I feel like this is, again, a callback to the plot line that was supposed to happen, which is obviously that he does choose her as her kind of yeah. his uh, his final victim. Yeah. Um, that's not how it works out in the real one plot. Spoilers, sorry. Um, you should say spoilers before you give the No, I like, I like to give spoilers, spoilers after the spoilers. Um, and yeah, so Audrey's kind of, and she, it's a little, 
nod to her former character, who was yeah. much more aware and, and had that, that sense and that intu- intuition. Yeah, even though she was naive, she still had... Uh, she had a good Some sense for of, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she read people. She, It's it's the intuition that Audrey mm-hmm. possessed before her character was kind of shuffled to the side as a plot device um, that was linked her very heavily with Cooper. I'm still really bitter about that. We man. can tell. We can all tell. Anyway, <laughs> we go back to the double R, and we have a very awkward conversation between Shelley and Annie about... Um, Miss Twin Peaks Miss Twin Peaks. Um, and then, Shelley goads her into maybe... Entering, Entering yeah. the, the pageant. Um, and then an, an interesting exchange about uh, how Annie, Annie kind of is a bit offended by everybody's assumption that she was locked away, that she's out on parole, is mm-hmm. I think how she puts it. Um, because she's like, we had cable TV, we had, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like she was in prison when she was in the convent. And, and Shelly kind of sheepishly apologizes for it. So, I mean, these aren't, they're not the best of friends no that they've known each other new. for a day yeah but yeah it's <laughs> it's kind of a it, yeah it's just a, a little bit of a an awkward little conversation mm-hmm. it is uh and then but the important thing is that shelly says oh you like agent cooper right she says oh no what are you talking about and then that's it yeah it's <laughs> it's really bad um and then yes we go back to the sheriff's station and this is another funny just silly, f- yeah, silly, funny scene. It's Andy Spelunking. Mm-hmm. Spelunking. We're practicing his spelunking. Spelunking. Uh, which is Where does he come from? He's, he's yeah, he's up. he's above her desk. There's like Lucy's maybe desk. Yeah. He's, he comes down and and like in front, in of, front of her reception window. But there's like maybe a foot and a half there yeah, that he could have his come whole down body, from. And Andy's tall. Where's he hiding? But it's Remove funny. Remove the ceiling tiles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, he came out of the drop ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's slowly, slowly descending, and he's talking about how, oh, you know, we're going spelunking into the mm-hmm. cave to find whatever. Um, and he keeps going. Yeah, and he keeps going <laughs> gradually. And Lucy's like, well, I know you'll be brave and blah, 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 but be, be safe careful. too. Yeah. Yeah. She loves her poor Andy. Uh, um, yeah, she doesn't really care about a certain dick we both know. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was great also line. great. Um, but yeah, Andy just keeps going down. Into the <laughs> and then he sinks below the window yeah. and she just kind of sits back. It's kind of a cute scene. It is, Visually, it's, just, it's fun. It's just it's just funny. It's it doesn't, There's nothing really added there at all. No. Except just, for just you, the you plot, know that they're going. Yes, yeah. they're going cave, cave Hunting? diving. Cave diving? No, not cave diving. That's a different sport altogether. Cave diving? Yeah. Isn't cave diving where you go diving in water in caves? It's probably not a thing. I think I just made that up. That cliff, seems really cliff really, diving. Cliff is, diving, that's a thing. That's, cave diving seems really unsafe. Don't cave yeah, dive, friends, yeah. in podcast land. Maybe don't cliff dive either. I had a cousin who cliff dived and he and he ruptured his spleen. Or oh something. yeah, you were saying yeah. yeah. He was gonna. He was on his way to the Olympics. That's right. That was, he was the same a cousin. Swimmer, yeah, he's and, a swimmer. And and then he and the tore. water took it from him. No, he he fell off the cliff. <laughs> he didn't jump. He no. fell. Oh I man. I think so. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. John, if you're listening to this, Sorry. you probably aren't listening to this, but I, that's a story we were told anyway. <laughs> Maybe it was just my parents saying, don't. Here's the dangers of spelunking. If you yeah. ever go to British Columbia, yeah. do not cliff jump. Cliff jump. Or if you do, like do it in a safe, whatever. safe environment. Uh way sidetracked yeah sorry Cooper... uh, it, it no it, it it does kind of bring back to the fore lucy and andy's little romance which yeah and it, has it, kind of been not shunted to the side but it hasn't been given much prominence no. since um the wrap-up of the little nikki story really yeah so uh it's just a reminder that 
Yes, this Lucy is still going Lucy and Andy on. are clearly the ones who are meant to be together, and Lucy is yeah. still with child. Yes. Truman and Cooper are uh, discussing the next move that, that they're going to make, and uh, they notice that it does leave... Like, Pete, Pete has set up this move. This is the next move they're going to make. Um, it does leave a pawn open, but it removes a bishop from play and kind of stymies Windermill's next move, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so, yeah, it just... They're still, I guess, technically trying to play by the rules, but it's still something that Windermill picks up on, that this is not... They're not really playing by the rules. Well, no, they're not aiming to win the game, right? Yeah, they're, 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 yeah. they're playing the stalemate they're... again, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, as we mentioned before, that uh, some chess experts have weighed in in the original wrapped in plastic uh, magazine run uh, that this is not the best the best move, game yeah. <laughs> that was ever played. So, um, and it shows. This is this is kind of the chess game has slowly but faded surely away. faded yes. and lost importance. And uh, yeah. As, as again, by, as we've talked about yeah. in past episodes as well, that that was kind of doomed to happen. So, here it is. Yeah. Um. So the next scene we go to is in the Great Northern, and yeah. this is another one that made us laugh. We felt a little worse about laughing yeah. about this one because the source of a lot of the laughter is is, is Johnny, Johnny Horn. Yeah. Who remember we haven't seen Johnny in a long time. No, he's, quite a few episodes. I don't so. even think he's been mentioned really. No. Um, well, he doesn't even get mentioned here. Well, he does by. No. No, he doesn't. he doesn't. You're right. He it's doesn't. Literally just we see him. Words. Yeah. We do see him. He Johnny is in his full um, First Nations headdress that would not be allowed at Coachella, um, and he's shooting. Uh, I'm guessing the rubber, like the suction cup arrows, mm-hmm. at Buffalo, uh, stationed on a, a waterfall, and he's and it's yelling. in the backyard of the yeah Green Northern or the yeah. courtyard or something yeah. So he's yelling. And he's just and, yelling. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ben and Audrey are inside, and Ben is giving a a, a big speech, big Ben Horn speech, a big Ben Horn speech Patented about speech. the Kennedys mm-hmm. and how Bobby Kennedy was the backbone that and the support that John Kennedy needed when the Bay of Pigs went to crap and when the Russians moved into Fidel's backyard and and all this stuff. And I I really love that uh, that Ben Horn still like he he totally views himself as jfk in this scenario audrey is his bobby he wants audrey to be bobby kennedy to his jfk and i I really love that that ben horn pictures himself as he he thought he was general lee a few episodes ago now he's jfk he pictures himself as these great leaders he recites shakespearean sonnets as if he wrote them so that that gives you a sense of his ego absolutely exactly um but yeah the point is that he wants audrey to be is truth teller. Yeah. He wants he wants the unvarnished truth because he needs access to that reality, which you can lose when you're a when you're someone that important. It's yes, easy exactly. to, to get surrounded by by yes men. And clearly, so. Jerry Horn, Uncle Jerry, is not fulfilling that no, role. No. So he wants Audrey to do yeah. that. And uh, and this is a nice. I mean, the the theme music for Twin, the Twin Peaks, the love theme, is playing mm-hmm. in the background, and and it's um it's a little weird because you know Audrey and Ben have not had the 
the most best relationship. Up and up relationship. Nope, they almost the had show. sex once, so <laughs> let's not forget <laughs> a little, that. Yeah. A little creepy. Yeah. Um, but it does call back to the season one uh, kind of plot arc that was started when Audrey said she wanted to learn to take over the business. So it is a nice callback that mm-hmm. now, you know, three weeks later, um, she's starting down that path. Yeah. yeah, and and Ben is recognizing that she has potential to be someone to take over the business. Yeah. And this is where uh, we were we were talking about the well, Aiden mentioned that the the source of our laughter in this scene comes from Johnny because when well, he there's says, these there's these pauses where yes. they stop talking and Johnny screams in the but background. It's, it's the brilliance. It's not brilliant because it is. They're making fun of someone who has a very clear. Um, mental disability yeah 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 and and one of the things that ben says is it's the unvarnished truth that i am looking for and i believe that you are the best man for the job (laughs) me so it's not we laughed and then we immediately felt really bad about (laughs) laughing but it is, I mean, it's just, if if it wasn't Johnny Horn, if it was another odd sound effect in the background, it would still be funny. Like, sure. it's just, it just, it was well-timed and structured, that scene in yeah, that, no, in that absolutely. way. That every time there's a, there's an awkward pause, there's but the what, funny sound. I guess, I guess what, yeah, so it's, it's an odd moment that it's something that's very, um, it should be something very emotional and it's played for laughs. Previously, when Audrey talks about how there is nobody else to take over the business because she's hinting that Johnny is not capable of taking over the business. Yeah. It's it's going to go to Audrey if it goes to any one of the children. Yeah. It was delivered with all the import that that, that kind of a conversation would carry. Yeah. Here it is played it's for, for laughs. laughs. And, and, and that's yeah. a little bit unfortunate. Well, yeah, and, and Ben even says like, oh, well, you know, ever since Laura, I've really had to rethink and I want to do what's best for my whole family you, me. Yeah. And that's it. He yeah. mentions two people mention out of Sylvia. his... He doesn't mention Sylvia. He doesn't mention Johnny. Johnny. Doesn't uh, mention Jerry. No. Doesn't mention his other daughter. <gasps> and, Aiden. <laughs> well, it's been implied. Let's be honest. But yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So it's, it's very... Yeah. It, it's it's odd because yeah. it's... And it, it's it's terrible. It's it's really saying like, well, Johnny's not really my child because, you know... You're, well, he's the, not important enough because he can't take over the business. Yeah, exactly. And the business is the only thing that's important yeah, to him. Yeah, he is really why hasn't changed. This is I'm really yeah. not sure that this change is legitimate. No, and I, I, again, I think he's trying because they basically, they shake on it. He says, yeah. I'm sending you to Seattle. I'm sending you to Seattle. Now. And she's like, wait, wait I have right, a date. Yeah. And well, without be, saying that. Yeah, but, because John Justice Wheeler comes in and yeah. he says, oh, Audrey's going to Seattle right now. And John Justice Wheeler, of course, is very upset because he thought, he was going to bone. Well, and he then, thought she would bring the nails. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so she's going to meet with the environmentalists and uh, Judges Wheeler and Ben sit down on the couch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really don't know why JJW is considered a paragon of virtue in this. Yeah. Like, Especially he, not in this episode where he, yeah. he, he did try to nail his daughter. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, he comes straight out with that. He but, does. But, Honestly, like his character is just like, oh well, he saves businesses and then turns them around well, environmentally. He's, he's an environmentalist, Aiden, so he's pure. So he has to be good. It was the nineties. It was the nineties. That was that was, that was the the paragon of virtue. Yeah. Was if you weren't an, that's true Envi- an environmentalist yeah, because God knows there was no money to be made there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then he says, well, you know, Ben asks, sorry, Ben asks, well, how do I be good? How how do you do this? Yeah. And uh, 
JJW gives two pieces of advice. Keep your eye on your heart, which I don't know what that means, and always tell the truth, including the hardest one first. Yeah. And, and Ben's like, this is great advice. This, this is great really advice. Yeah, good. oh my like, God, I never thought of this. <laughs> and, then, and then John is like, I'm in love with your daughter. And Ben's like, that's a great example. <laughs> and John's like, no, I, I'm in I love really with your actually daughter, yeah. am. And and Ben reaches into his pocket and pulls out a carrot and hands hands Wheeler a carrot. That that was the best. That was yeah. the best Ben Horn it's moment like, in a while. It I reminds have to say. me of those scenes in movies where like you know, um, the dads are all in the waiting room for their yeah, yeah, wives yeah, yeah, to yeah, give yeah. birth, and then the first one who has it's a baby boy, and they pass out the, the cigars, cigars. Yeah, but it's a instead it's of a, a cigar, carrot. it's a carrot. Well, that's exactly what exactly, that's exactly what Ben Horn would yep, have done when Audrey was born. Was pull out the cigars. But or when he's he, now into carrots, so if he, you know, marries her off to his business partner, he would have pulled out <laughs> a cigar. cigar. Yeah. Now he pulls out a carrot. Yeah. And and then they they go at it. They eat the carrots. And Johnny yells, and yeah. that's that's the end <laughs> of that scene. So yeah, yeah, it's a little a little odd, um, but fun. Yeah, it is. But so, insensitive. Yeah, yeah, it's but yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those scenes. No, it's just one of those scenes that again you wouldn't see now, and and it doesn't need to be. No, it would. Johnny it, does not need to be the butt of a joke no, here. No, you would not punch down yeah, to yeah. somebody like Johnny Horn. Exactly. You so, would find a way to make Ben the butt of the joke. Yeah, or some, or have something else, some yeah. other element that could do it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they just, they didn't, they didn't think of that back then. No. Uh, so we go to the owl cave. Yes. <laughs> the oddest, <laughs> another funny little moment, and he's, you know, climbing the yeah. rock wall, uh, and and he slips. He yeah. can't hold on to his grip. And he falls all of maybe a foot and a half. Well, yeah, that, that might have been... I'm not sure exactly where they were coming from that he would it's need really to It's really not climbing. clear. He didn't need to. I no, think he I was just practicing. Maybe, maybe that, that's as good an example as... Because I was thinking maybe it's one of those scenes where they, like, yes, he's climbing, and then they cut away, and it's like he just jumped off a ladder to make it look like like it's a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He he was fall. He fell like a foot and a half, or maybe like six inches. But maybe inches or maybe something. actually in the story, he was just practicing and was only literally a foot and a half off the wall. That, that's what I'm climb. saying. That's what I'm saying. I what I thought when I first watched it was he was climbing 16 feet up. They were trying to make it look like he was. They scaled this wall to come in. Yeah, but that's cut undercut immediately when he falls, and it's two seconds later, and he's fine. But that's what I'm. Oh, <laughs> you're missing my point. No, my point is that there was no way to understand the scene the way you were looking at it. The no, first I know. No, I thought maybe it was just a bad cut, like oh. an actual bad cut where they just cut the okay. film badly. <laughs> that would be terrible. There's no way that would make it on a network. This is an episode show. with with Hammer and Nail and Annie, and it's it's there's yeah, but those were all okay. <laughs> That's funny that you thought that. I, I don't know. <laughs> would make no it sense. was really late when I was watching this. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and I, I just love that all of everyone's like, oh, hold on. Andy. You, yeah, can yeah. Do it, you can do it. And he's like, no. And he lets go. And then, yeah, he falls does a falls a flight. Um, and yeah, so they, they go into the cave and Hawk they're kind looking, of. Yeah, they're looking for this petroglyph. Yeah. But yeah, Hawk. Hawk says that he used to play in here when he was a kid and they used to pretend it was haunted by ghosts. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, because maybe there are spirits around. Well, yeah, it, it's definitely an unsettling place that yes. that no one really is comfortable in. But they're they're searching for these markings, and then they find them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it is exactly what Cooper was drawing. I wanted to bring this up too because we didn't talk about it earlier. But the yeah. symbol that Cooper is drawing is not really a combination of Major Briggs's and. No, they kind of the changed Major Briggs's yes, tattoo look. Major Briggs' tattoo is three triangles arranged in, like we said, in that like radioactive symbol mm-hmm. kind of symbol. Um, 
And then the log lady, Margaret's tattoo was of the the two double mountain peaks put together. Mm-hmm. So we've got the mountain peaks that show up in this symbol, but the three triangles have been turned into diamonds. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just Cooper twinning each of the the, the yeah, triangles yeah, to make them a diamond, yeah. but it's it it's never explained that that's what he does. I'm just assuming that that's what he does. I don't know if that's yeah what you assumed or. Yeah, I, I know. I, I just, I didn't notice it really. And yeah. I, I kind of just assumed it was a continuity error almost. Like, Maybe. They just like, oh. Well, but it was literally the last episode yeah, that no, they showed it, yeah. the two tattoos. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but they find the exact same symbol that, that Cooper was doodling. This combination of the two symbols on the wall, carved yep. on the wall. And then at that point though, an owl flies in. And in yes. a very kind of tv-ish early kind 90s of, cgi yeah. well it's not cgi it's yeah. it's like just terrible composition yeah yeah it's just like yeah they have this fake owl flying overhead and they all have to act scared and but there's screeching sounds that are actually quite unsettling yeah no because it's true. it doesn't sound like an owl screeching it sounds like yeah. a person screeching yes and yeah, uh and andy is so frightened he swings his pickaxe and he gets stuck in the wall right in the symbol yes and starts this chain reaction yeah. that pushes a piece of the the rock out of the wall to also reveal. in a very cheesy 90s yes this is tv this, this is we we started rolling, rolling yeah. our eyes at this point because this is this is like goonies level yeah. you know <laughs> yes yeah yeah uh but anyway they the the wall a piece of the wall falls out and there's a, a protruding rod with another symbol carved onto the end of it that is uh a diamond shape with two uh, kind of triangles or yeah like chevron shapes yeah that's not the the exact thing but it it, it, what, it yeah. looks like an owl basically or it looks like a it bird does. of some sort yeah. yeah yeah exactly um that's left on it they don't do anything with this no again they don't yeah. investigate at yeah. all you would think you'd touch it you you know D- you wiggle investigate it, it yeah pull it, it, yeah bop it yeah. You do something with it. You do all the bop it actions on yeah, it, for sure, just to but try But they it. don't. No, they, instead Cooper gives his great couple of lines about um, coincidence. Fellas, coincidence and fate figure largely in our lives. It appears to be a petroglyph. I have no idea where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. And the owl screeches on the way out, and that's it. They're done there, apparently. They've made this great discovery, and they're just going to leave it. You yeah, know, yeah. Just, just leave it alone for a couple couple days. You know, why, why do anything like that? Yeah, of course. Um... It, it jumps to the Great Northern, yeah. and it's, I think Cooper at some point gives a time of about nine o'clock. Okay. Uh, they've just returned from Owl Cave. But first... He's, well, yes, Annie walks in, goes to the bar, and doesn't a, know what to order, so she orders a rum and tonic water, which... Well, the, the bartender basically yeah, orders it for her. But yeah. still, rum and tonic, is that a drink? Is that something... You, I, I guess you can drink anything. You could yes. mix anything. Yes, you But can. would you mix rum and tonic? I don't know. Gin and tonic. You're looking at the guy who doesn't drink. Yeah, you are a teetotaler. That yeah, is, that yeah. is. That was my cure for recipe. 
Cure for recipe. Cure for recipe. Recipe for hangover. <sighs> Cure, yes. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted. Annie Annie's recipe earlier was teetotaling and prayer. Aiden's got half of that down. Yeah. The it's not the prayer. Part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then... But yeah, she orders a rum and tonic. And, uh, and then, yeah, Cooper walks in and, and he's dictating to Diane um, about their adventures in Owl Cave. They're half of an adventure, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and then he spots Annie, clicks off his recorder, and yeah. saunters over to flirt. And uh, and the way he takes is that he says he's amazed that everything's so amazing to her. And I'm wondering, how long was this girl gone? Like, seriously, yeah. how long could it be that, you know, talking to someone, ordering a drink... Using money. Using money is has become foreign and, and bizarre to you. Like, yeah. I mean, honestly, she looks like, okay... At the very oldest, I would say she's 25, maybe. Yeah, I think that's Heather really Graham pushing was 20 it. or 21. Yeah, and she looks like she that. She looks like she's about 20 or 21. Let's say, let's push to 25. Sure. Okay, she went in, maybe she had uh, she had a bad experience when she was 16. So she's been gone for nine years. That's a long time, and it that's is. a big period. That's her whole adult life. Yeah. So sure, she's not, she's not going to be good at a bar or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, she won't know what to order. She won't know what to order, yeah. sure. But money... <laughs> You yeah, know, talking yeah. to people, they don't talk to each other in the convent. Yeah. They don't have small talk or conversation. She had bingo chips to exchange for goods and services yeah, exactly. in, in the convent. They, they had a form of currency. So yeah. I, it's like, just, like I, th- I just think that's really interesting that she spends so much time t- telling Shelley that life was not so different for her in the convent. And yet, as soon as she, she cannot sees, function. Yeah. She is having so much trouble readjusting to life outside the convent, even though... It wasn't that different. Yeah. Like, I just feel like this is either such a poorly written bit of inform- mm. of, of, of character. Yeah. Or there's something else going on here. It could be both. It could be both. Could be both. I'm not convinced that they had much of a plan for Annie, but maybe they did. Maybe they did. Maybe I maybe they, they pulled a plan out of the lack of a plan, perhaps. Could be. Could um, be. But yeah, basically Cooper, he's just enamored by, again, her oddity and her inability to function but he's also interested in her scar on her wrist yes. again he spots it again yeah. and is he, it the same wrist or is it i don't remember what the first one was i thought uh, yeah i think it is i mean okay it's a very red scar yeah it it seems like it's fairly new right um i mean i'm not an expert on scars but yeah. it feels like if she still had that scar she probably wouldn't be leaving any sort of safe space you know like she yeah. she wouldn't be leaving her support network behind right if if she had a scar that recently, because right? clearly this is this is the scar on the wrist. This is someone who tried to commit. This is self harm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is absolute self harm. So, um, yeah, she would not be, like you said, leaving that support network. Whether that support network is her family, whether that support network well, it's is the convent. The convent. Yeah. Um, it's it is a fresh scar. So what made her decide that now was the time to leave when something like that? This is, yeah. We get a little bit more of her backstory of when that would have happened in the next... I think it's the next episode. Um, and spoiler alert, involves a boy. Uh, but she says she's not she's not quite ready to talk about this stuff yet. Um, but Cooper wants to give it a try. He yeah. wants to help her. And he's, he's drawn to women he needs to save, I guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, and... She agrees. Yeah, after she gives some more first-person characterization. Yes, exactly. She's just like, I don't even remember what it is in this case. I'm willful and stubborn. Yeah, that's and, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like, 
Well, okay. But yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> and then yeah, she accepts the offer. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the end of the, the scene. Because yeah. we get one final one. Mm-hmm. And Earl Yes. The the former FBI agent does some investigating. Yes. Follows them to Owl Cave. And uh, realizes he looks up. Uh, yeah, literally like all of 30 seconds to turn around and see the same symbol that's on the end of this pole etched into the rock behind him. Upside down. Upside so down. So he figures, oh, I'll turn it. Give it a crank. Boom, something happens. We don't yeah. know exactly what, but the, the cave is shaking and there's there's rock falling and, and all sorts of stuff. Cut so, to the end credits. And, and that's the credits. That's the end of the episode. And it's like, so it's, wow, it's, four uh, detectives there, or three detectives and an FBI agent. And none of them so much as touched the thing yeah. or looked around, didn't yeah. set up some spotlights here to see if there was anything Take else. Take some pictures. No, nothing. They, no. They, they just washed their hands and they're like, oh, that was good day's work, guys. Yeah, we found this thing and now we're going to go flirt with the former nun at the bar. It's just such... Yeah, okay, so so we, we both rolled our eyes quite heavily at the end of this episode. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. Um, but as writers... This is just something that bothers us. Yeah. Because it is so uh, inexplicably plot hole filled. This is worse than Swiss cheese. You know, it's yeah. just so. It, yeah. feel, it feels bad. And, it, yeah. it, and it's a shame because where this eventually leads so all, really works well. Yeah. And, it, yeah. And, and the information that, like, first of all, Earl's getting the information that you kind of want the, the yeah. good guys to have, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting and important information, uh, and yet the the good guys are always again. I said this many times in the past couple episodes that they're always a step behind. They're yeah. they're learning it afterwards. They're learning yeah. it through incomplete sources. Whereas Earl seems like you know the guy who's crazy and has all the you know, answers. Wears terrible sweaters uh, and onesies <laughs> and onesies uh, can yeah find the answers that yeah. much easier. Like it's just. It, it doesn't feel right. And also, like, first of all, how did he find out about the cave? How did he get there? Yeah. He just no. kind of showed up. He's yeah. just like, well, well here he, I am. He, he wouldn't have heard them talking about Owl Cave. No. He wasn't because in the diamond. The actually wasn't there. No. No. He was nowhere near that. Did he follow them? Maybe he's in the background. Oh, that would be a good touch to that whole scene. Because if, if he's there... If he's the one shrieking when the owl comes... I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I'm saying no. In the diner. If oh, he was there in the diner maybe. when... Uh, because they're both distracted. Truman's sick. We Cooper's yeah. in love with Annie and, and Cole's Gordon's in love in with, with Shelley. Yeah. If if Earl was in the background somewhere. That would have been a great touch because I've if that's true, I'd never seen that. Well, I don't I think it don't is. I don't think he is. But, I mean, but. that's the only way that... Because if he heard, overheard them saying, like, oh, okay, he goes and finds it too. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they in future episodes, kind of hint that he's he's been on the trail of some kind of supernatural power... So is he getting information? But then why does he need to bug the bonsai tree? Yeah. Right? Like there's, there's just, it's that, yeah. that whole part of it doesn't really make a lot of sense. The whole, um, we can explain some of, I think we can explain some of the um, investigative missteps that, that Cooper makes. Um, we can explain some of that away via Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Truman and Hawk and, and Andy are not, they're Keystone cops. Yeah, for the most part. Of, I mean, Truman know, and Truman's hung over this whole episode, so yeah, he's yeah, not up to it. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe they were never the the best source of investigative information, yeah. right? But but Cooper, we know is, and he's distracted by Annie, who we've all kind of agreed. Most people will agree she's not the most 
interesting, fleshed out, fully formed character to be birthed onto a TV screen. Um, so what is it about her that is making her so enchanting and bewitching? And that's the key, that maybe there's some bewitching going on here. Mm-hmm. It's something to consider. It is something to consider. You will definitely hear about it in fo- in the following episodes. Uh, yes, because Aiden has lots of theories about this. Do I? No. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were... You were talking about you. Yeah! Oh, I get it. <laughs> so droll. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, that was the end of this episode. Yeah. Uh, it is, and yeah, again... The funny parts were funny. Yes. Uh, some the plot hole parts were a little were, bit... Were holy. But they but they, they set up. There's still mystery to be solved. Exactly. And, and I'm still curious to find out what... I mean, it's a good... It's way better than the ending of the last episode. Yes. Which kind of just... Yeah. Yeah. I'll slide into bed with this dude. Here, yeah. Here, yeah. Is the, here there's an actual, like, what, what happened in the cave. Yeah. When are they going to find out about it? Yeah. Yeah. No, what it, will happen with Annie and Cooper? Hmm. It's not... A question I'm asking. What is Donna's dad really Ben Horn? <gasps> Who knows? <laughs> well, oh wait, that's right. The audience, it's been heavily implied. Again, I just... Anyways, uh, some of the mysteries are better set than others. Yes. Um, but the main one does lead to a very interesting place. So we'll, yes. And we'll, we'll be dealing with that in the next few episodes. Yeah. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.